As part of a sincere commitment to my sobriety, I serve at a local women's rehabilitation facility here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Several times a week, a bunch of us girls take turns bringing meetings to the female residents involved in a thorough 120-day program of recovery from drugs and alcohol. This kind of service work appeals to my profound desire for connection and intimacy. I'm learning how best to communicate my enthusiastic version of this solution-based message. Sharing my experience, strength, and hope in this way is doing so much for my own program, and I pray it helps others. Something very interesting happened recently before last Tuesday evening's meeting. I got there early so I could set up the room and get the ball rolling at 6 o'clock. We keep our binder of literature and a bucket of materials in one of the offices on the main floor. We have access to this room so we can retrieve our supplies whenever we need them. But if the door is locked, a team member is always nearby with a key to let us in. Everyone at the facility is really nice. They're grateful for the time we spend with these ladies. I'm grateful too. Helping out is a good feeling. Okay, back to the story. So the big room where we host our meetings was dark. I went in and turned on the lights. Along the back wall is a low cupboard that I guess they use for storage. There on the countertop, someone had left behind several pieces of fruit, an orange and a bunch of red grapes with a note that read, to staff. I didn't give it much thought at first. I started arranging our stuff like usual. As I distributed the readings around the table, I reflected on the grapes a second time. I love grapes, I thought to myself. And these are so convenient. I kind of work here in a way, right? I'm like part of the staff. I went over to where the fruit was just sitting there minding its own business. I examined it closely. Several grapes had already been plucked from their tender stems, which suggested to me that nobody would mind if I took a few more. I wanted to. I hadn't eaten my dinner yet, and like I mentioned a minute ago, I love grapes. These looked particularly delicious. Plus, the people who run this place think I'm awesome. I bet they'd say, Mary, have as many grapes as you like. You deserve them. Still, I hesitated. I didn't want to think these fruits were some kind of a trap, but come on. They must have cameras all over this joint. What if somebody was watching me watch the grapes? I wondered if one of the counselors actually counted how many grapes there were to begin with. Could a person do that without marking each one? It seemed like a lot of work. And for what reason? If you're so worried about your fucking grapes getting stolen, take them with you when you're done with your lunch. Don't just leave them around to tease other people. That's not cool. Hmm. You know what? I thought to myself, this feels crazy. Enter the big red flag moment. I can't fix this kind of crazy by myself. So I did what I've been taught to do. I reached for some of the tools that have been made available to me in my program. Number one, prayer. Prayer is huge. I stopped and asked for help. I prayed the simplest prayer I know. God, cover me. I am in some weird shit right now. How I love this prayer. 
I'm in weird shit all day long. Not only do I believe that a power greater than myself can restore my sanity, I believe that same power hears every request I make. My God wants the two of us to work together, and he wants me to be happy. Almost immediately, my confusion was lifted. I knew exactly what this was all about. By reflex, I'd been entertaining my addictive nature and some of its corrupt companions. Dishonesty, theft, self-righteousness, and paranoia. These behaviors are still familiar no matter how long I'm sober. Let's be realistic. We know each other since grammar school. Of course we're going to want to reminisce. But some relations are too dangerous for me. I just can't hang out anymore. Number two, step work. I realized I was indeed emotionally disturbed. So I did a 10th step spot inventory. I identified my part in the situation. And here's the simple fact. I wanted to take something that didn't belong to me. I could almost physically feel this information sinking into my brain slowly. Those are not your grapes. I said the words out loud so I could hear them with my own ears and follow my voice back to a safe place. Because I tell you what, when I'm in that fucked up mental mindset where I know right from wrong, but I still want what I want, I can separate from this world and everything in it. I am immediately isolated and lonely. And when I'm lonely, I can do some pretty stupid stuff. That's why drugs and alcohol were such excellent facilitators of the easy escape. This way to instant relief. Over here for no clear recollection of uncomfortable feelings or shitty decisions. Until, of course, the powder, pills, and wine stop working. And beyond that, I had no other coping mechanisms. Getting sober and embracing the steps takes effort. But ultimately, sobriety is a much more satisfying way to live because it's actually a life, a life filled with choices and opportunities. Addiction is not. Addiction is straight-up misery, punctuated by extended periods of fucked-upness that may or may not be fun. You don't get to decide. Number three, fellowship. When the meeting finally started, I felt compelled to let the girls in on what just happened with the grapes, God's involvement, and the change in my perspective. This encounter may seem frivolous to some, but not to me. It's as serious as if I were to consider pinching money from a friend's wallet, stealing beer out of a neighbor's garage, or lifting the keys to someone else's car. In my disease, I've done all these things, and I justified my actions every time. So I shared the contents of my heart with the group, and I was received with love. There's great comfort in being understood. Fellowship is a precious gift. When we were done, one of the women in our session dashed into the cafeteria and returned with some grapes and a napkin. Mary, these are for everybody, she said. You can have them. Another young lady approached me when the room was practically empty. I want to be excited about things like you are, she said. How do I do that? I've learned along the way that it's never a good idea to give advice. I don't know how to live in anybody else's shoes. I struggle to not fall out of my own. Look, I never want anybody coming back saying, you told me I should, you know, whatever, and things are still fucked. 
that can't be my burden to carry. So I made sure I proceeded cautiously with my response. Well, I'm always asking God to help me put my sobriety first. And so I just do that all day long. Everything else seems to work itself out. I know it's hard to believe, but I believe. And because I believe, it's true. Plus, and don't laugh, in the mornings when I'm getting dressed, I try to match the color of my underwear with my outfit. It may not seem like a big thing, but it helps me feel a little bit more sure of myself. I don't have a lot of clothes or underwear, she said. That's okay, I replied. God's just making things easier for you. He wants you to stay focused on what's important. So I was at this party the other night, and I met this really funny guy. He was tall and silly, and he had on green pants. But he was, like, telling me this story, and it was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to eat some grapes. La, 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 grapes. La, 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 grapes. La, 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 la,